we'll record this now and then um, I'll, I'll splice it in afterwards. Uh, what do you think your intro is going to be? Okay, so I've got three options for you. I'll, I will go in order of least likely to most likely, Likely, shall I? Do it in a, uh, a pointless finale style. Well, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm heading. So, my least likely would be, and with me as usual, is the man who always has an ex-Royal Marine up his arse. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact, very close to being Michelle's one this week. <laughs> oh good <laughs> that's more of a michelle intro i'm not gonna lie uh, okay uh, especially after last week you said you'd like to be interrogated by sherlock michelle <laughs> don't think i have forgotten <laughs> oh, right. so my next most likely is you'll go for here's a guy who looks like a middle-aged hobo today <laughs> <laughs> didn't have that one written down slightly disappointed i didn't have that one written down and so, therefore, my most likely is, and with me as usual, is the man who should apply for Pointless next time. <laughs> Let's see, shall we? Welcome to the fifth episode of Your Time on the Run, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me, as always, is the guy whose family wishes he'd go on the chase, Anthony Williams. <laughs> you went that far <laughs> off. You went, you went on sort of the right theme, but not, not right enough. <laughs> and the lady whose family agree that she has no compassion, Michelle Fizdenman. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the family thing further, further down. <laughs> I kind of had to go for the the low-hanging fruit on both of your choices this week, I'm afraid. Well, I, I, I think you went for quite high-hanging fruit, to be honest. Could have been much worse on mine. It could have. I'm disappointed there wasn't the Royal Marine up your ass or the, uh, the middle-aged Tobo. I don't like to go for too low-hanging fruit. Not much. Not unless it's really fun. <laughs> And welcome back to our very own Tub of Lard. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Our award-winning Tub of Lard. Yes, thank you. Yes, last week was purely social, um, and it came close to missing it this week because of work stuff. Um, I've just had an incredible week. So, yeah, I was invited to speak at a prestigious conference, and then uh, last night went to the learning awards the worldwide learning awards and uh, we scooped up a gold award so Yay. yeah wow mm-hmm. amazing and on the other end of the scale michelle very nearly lost at the amazing race org <laughs> great i'm going for this michelle <laughs> but you know what i did start a new sort of job last week so i have been very busy as well good but you almost almost disgraced yourself more importantly in the org yes well there, there were flash games, and I don't do flash games. Yes, it wasn't pretty. But it was, however, very funny. But I'm not out, Michael, so you can't have a go at me yet. 
Michelle, you still came 11th of 12. Ah, Michael, I beat you. I came second. What did you come in yours? Fifth? Sixth? I'm not sure, actually. Middle of the field. It was fifth, but also we won every single task in our last leg. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters where you finish, love. Logan was a bad influence on the flight. <laughs> but I wouldn't worry, Michelle, because at the end of the next leg, it's just a head-to-head wheelbarrow race, and you could be three days behind and still win. Yes. <laughs> I still haven't seen this week's Amazing Race yet. No, I haven't no, yet. I haven't That's either. Fine. That's tonight. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I'm not as enthusiastic about this season as I should be. Compared to Amazing Race 29, it was never going to be amazing because that was amazing. But there's just something that's just not there for me still. Because you're watching Widom and Hunted at the same time, that's why. Yeah, unlike Hunted, where I was watching it last night just going, this is the best episode of television I've seen all year. This is amazing. Yeah, I wanted to make that point. I was going to say, if if we didn't get to it before we get into the detail of it, just what a fantastic episode it was if if any i know people who are involved in the show do listen to this wow give yourselves a pat on the back that that was the best piece of reality tv i've seen in a hell of a long time it was just like like a lesson in how to do character-based reality tv it was brilliant it was a phenomenal episode of television yep it had everything they had me laughing out loud crying and made michelle angry so there you go (laughs) yeah every single series of hunted there is one episode that defines the series we had nick and the uh the decoy and io and madu splitting up last year or last series although in second place would probably be the the water skiing episode (laughs) because it's amazing for hunted us we had of course the infamous lost wolves flight episode which is just a masterclass on television generally never mind rtv and now we have this one where everything I knew about the series just came into focus. Because mm-hmm. I I knew about the live video from Dan and Joe. I knew about Blex's bedtime story. And just the little... It, even for people who knew like I did, the backstory of it just improved it even more for me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just... It was. It was a masterclass in, in how to do an episode. Although it was phenomenal. And for all the people on Twitter going, oh, I'm so overhunted, it's so fake. Really? Just watch it as as the piece of entertainment that it is. It's a yeah. horrendously entertaining piece of television. Absolutely. I wrote back to quite a lot of people last night. Why I'm am so I not surprised? So frustrated with people. Because for once, usually Michelle is the latest one to watch it, but for once I was the only one of the three of, three of us watching it live. So I was on our group chat just going... Oh my god, I cannot believe they mentioned this. I cannot wait for the podcast. Oh my god, oh my god, what are going on? <laughs> Just trying not to spoil anything for you guys. <laughs> Which was so difficult when we <laughs> we had just absolute balls to the wall hilarity from certain teams this time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now we understand why Joe and Dan are probably going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny. Anyway, previously six fugitives were left on the run. Jamie was chased down by Nick and Danny, but his time on the run ended in a riverbed. Uh, Bob and Alex split up, and Blex was outwitted by a cabal of masons. 
Majid went home to a rally, but it was his friend who drove him through the Peak District, not knowing that he was being tracked as two hunter teams pursued. Yeah. Beautiful place, that. The lovely scenic vistas. It's your area of the world, then. It is. Well, very close. Yeah, I'm about half an hour south of the Peak District. Yeah, it is lovely. It's really, really lovely. Um, As long as you don't want to make any phone calls, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) As the hunters found out. Well, no, phone calls were fine. It was the the comms that were going, and I'm quoting Sherlock here and feel dirty for saying this word, the comms that were going ratchet. Sherlock's (laughs) such a basic bitch. (laughs) There were some very good phrases in this week's episode. It's so ratchet. Yeah, but I I am getting a bit over the cliffhanger, catch them in the first two minutes of next week. My, is this the new thing? I have a theory on that. We'll get to it at the end, but I have a theory. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I do too. So, okay. Put a lid in that, we'll mention it at the end of the podcast, because I do have a a little theory on why they've done that this year. And Madge's friend does recognise the Hunters again, and the Hunters flash their lights, and Sherlock warns Stephen Rich to get their trainers on, because they're about to do some running. And Madge's runs, as do Rich and Steve. And yelled, stop, stop. Again, like why? <laughs> Stop it! And Majid gets the the honour of having an ex-royal marine up his ass. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, it was a shame he, he didn't quite fulfil his promise, but never mind. No, his his time in the run ended on day nineteen. Mm, good run. Yeah, and did you see Majid's uh, Twitter thread? Oh yes, I what certainly did, say? I, I didn't did. See it. This is the first thing that I've been waiting to sort of to sort of mention because Majid, after getting caught, um, did an entire thread on Twitter about how basically fake the show is. Oh, he wasn't happy then. No, he wasn't a particularly happy boy about it. No, no. Um, and I, there were the threads out there. I mean, it's in the public domain, but the general thrust of it was. He wasn't actually that involved with, uh, was it Helen Milner? Um, that was a, that was overstated because there was some shenanigans in tracking him down that way. And basically he got caught because he wouldn't do what the executive producers told him to do. Yeah, they basically wanted him to make good TV and he refused to. And uh, yeah, and two, two days later he gets caught. So yeah, that thread is out there. And thank you to Stephen for bringing it to our attention. But mm-hmm. it's certainly interesting. I would always argue, as someone who has no interest in ever going on Hunted, that it's a TV show first and foremost. And yeah, they can't rig it, but also if you're not going to play ball, they're going to stack the odds against you. Yeah. yeah. I can't I, say I, that is a massive surprise. Hmm. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think you have to kind of take it in context and yeah they're, they're making a tv show if you're not going to make good tv then maybe they're going to make more of an effort to catch you play along with the show uh, it is an entertainment show it's not a documentary so you know i i, I kind of get where he's coming from but uh, the same you know I, i'd rather watch an entertaining show than than someone disappear off the radar for three weeks yeah it's the same argument when people on Twitter go, oh my god, why can you not just stay in someone's basement for, for three weeks? It's like, well, yeah. actually, above everything else, it's a TV show and they cannot rig it. 
But if you are not going to play the game, they're not going to cooperate with you much either. They can't outright say to the HQ, this is exactly where he's hiding, have fun. But they can redirect the hunter's focus to to you more, shall mm-hmm. we say? Mm-hmm. Is my suspicion as someone not involved in TV and as someone who would never go on this show ever in a million years. Boring, boring. I'm sorry, yeah. Michelle, when was the last TV show you went on? Um, I'm pulling I that card out. I need to be able now. to get on them. I am just saying that you would have a better than average chance of getting on this show and you don't even want to go for it. I wouldn't have a better than average chance because you and I both know that as soon as my name came up on those whiteboards, the hunters would put every single resource into stopping me. That would make it entertaining. You know that. Not for me, because as you well know, I'm stupidly competitive and I don't go into stuff to lose. Yeah, it would be interesting. It would be interesting for a while, but there's only so many times that we can hear Black referring to Michael as a cocky little shit before he gets (laughs) caught. I'm going to put that out there. I would love Blacks to call me a cocky little shit. I want that as my text tone. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sure we can make that happen through the podcast channels, but I just want Blacks to call me a cocky little shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting what Majid was saying. Whether it was the right forum for it, I don't think so. No, I don't. And it's, it's not the right timing either, because... Whether it's true or whether it's not, and I, I imagine, as with most things, there's an element of truth to it, and there's an element of that's not quite how the world looks. Also, don't do it at that time, because it just looks like sour grapes. Yeah, it's the, my first thought when Stephen tweeted it to us was, he's quite bitter. Yeah. And um, this is coming from someone who likes Majid, so anyone who doesn't oh, like yeah. Majid... It's probably going to think worse than I did. I just saw it last night and went, not the right time, Majid, that is just a bit bitter. Yeah, exactly. No, I thought he was great, but that kind of sours it a little bit for me. You know, just crack on, get on with your life. So, first five-minute capture, Kel Surprise. (laughs) It's almost (laughs) like they're settling into a rut. It is, isn't it? Hmm. (laughs) So, Majid's capture on day 19 leaves just four people left on the run. And this is the point where I can announce that these are the four people who got wanted posters. Yeah. Oh, only these four. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, Ant, but it was only these four who got wanted posters. No, I, I wasn't aware. It makes perfect sense. So they've all got to, what, about day 20? Yeah. I know when when the posters were sent out, and I'm not confirming what date that was, but these four were the four who got posters. That's way later than before, isn't it? It's by far the latest they've ever done the, the wanted posters. Mm. And I have all three of them screen-capped. And Bob and Alex are Masons from Kent, and the Mason connection could just be chaff, according to not a relative of my cousin's boyfriend, Steve. And are they just using family... I I love how their nicknames are just getting longer and longer every single time. (laughs) They are just getting more preposterous. (laughs) (laughs) And HQ decide that the most obvious person to watch is Lynn, Alex's mum, Bob's wife. The connection between the two, basically. Uh, yeah, in, in what we now believe is uh, reverse editing. Because I, I don't think they suddenly thought, oh, it's not the Masons, it's the family. I suspect that was a little cutaway scene to say, yeah, well, let's go this angle. And in an early front runner for this week's banner, Bob in his pants is super attractive when he's having a, a bush shower. 
<laughs> or bathing in the wild is how he describes it. What is that? Is that I, a thing? No. No. That is, <laughs> that is not a thing. <laughs> that is Bob going a little bit doolally. I don't know. I'm not rustic like that, so I don't know whether you can have a grass shower. But, Michelle, you stayed on an island for 54 days or whatever it was, 53. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm a lovely I, hammock. It's definitely not a thing, but I'm, I reckon uh, Colin from HQ put him up to it. What, Colin just slipped <laughs> him a fiver and said, give us a bath in the wild? Well, yeah, I mean, he did say a couple of episodes ago he was imagining him sat in his pants eating crisps, so... He's finally got to see Bob in his underpants. <laughs> of all the things that I thought might pay off, that was not one of the foreshadowing I was looking forward to. Poor Colin. He's, it's his first series and he's getting bullied already. <laughs> he's great, but I fancy a line like that coming back. <laughs> Poor Bob. People were having a go at him. And, and what you know, every time they, they saw him like that. Just it, he's, it, well, he doesn't have a bad body for his age. Like seriously, these people. It's the most vulnerable anyone has been on the run since Ricky Allen and the penis enlargement thing. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. And Bob's son Alex is eight miles south of him in Sandhurst, and he's arranged to meet his mum in Hastings. Yeah, and it wasn't just me, but every single line that referred to Alex was just, it was like being hit with a sledgehammer, wasn't it, this week? Whatever problems Alex encounters, you'll just have to figure it out. Yeah, at about ten minutes into the episode, I tweeted out, this children is what we call a winner's edit. Just a bit. It's the least subtle winner's edit I have seen in a long, long time. Oh, this this makes Nick's win look like a shock victory. Yeah. We all say, I'm waiting for next week when he gets caught, we all look like idiots again. Like, the the fact of the matter is that people have been saying, oh, I'm 60-40 on Alex winning. I'm 100-0. He's gonna win with this edit. It's funny you mention that statistic, because I've got in my notes 1,000% winning. Yeah. <laughs> I think all four of these people are now winning, but I am most sure that Alex is winning. Hmm. I'm I'm fifty fifty on Bob. I'm not not after that thing last night. I think Bob's winning. Do you think? Do you think that's why we've got the uh, fake out spoiler? Yeah. I don't think it's a fake out. I mean, who's he being pulled by? I think he's being pulled by Alex. I have a theory, but I want to get to it at the end because it might take a little. while. You have too many theories. I know, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm trying desperately not to sort of preempt stuff I'm going to say later. Okay. Okay, God. But we do need to discuss that next time preview, is all I have to say. All right. Um, why is Alex meeting his mum anyway? I know I know, he loves her, but seriously, it's like the riskiest thing to do. It is, but also, as we found out in this episode, his mum is basically his whole world. Yeah. Yeah. If I were on the run, I would want to meet my parents. We're not all heartless like you, Michelle. And and I think we have agreed that that is definitely one of the rules is they have to make contact. Yeah. So who else? Yeah, I've thought thought that last night. They just have to make contact in some way, but not physical. I think it would just be a phone call or something. But It's whether Graham and the Masons counted. Mm-hmm. I think in that case it counted for Bob, but not for Alex. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, so Alex has still got to make contact with someone close. Yeah, so I think officially Alex hadn't ticked off the making contact with someone close bit, and the one person that he is most close to is his mum. 
But don't you think it's just phone call? Yeah, but if they know his mum's phone is getting tapped, which obviously as she is the main connection between Bob and Alex, her phone, her car, everything is going to be on monitor. Yeah, but you buy a burner phone, another burner phone, and then you... Yeah, but the thing is, if they've got her phone on monitor, no matter what, unless they can get another burner to her, which is probably not allowed in the rules, let's be honest, then there's not a lot of point, and that phone call's just going to get intercepted, and the cell towers will get pinged, and they will find him quickly. Whereas if he can get a covert message via the Masons, like he actually did, then there is less chance as long as she can arrange another car. Maybe not off Loose Lips Tracy, but if she can arrange another car that is unknown to the Hunters, she gives her son the best chance of winning. Mm -hmm. And let's be abundantly clear, if Bob had the choice between getting Alex to the end or getting himself to the end, Alex would be getting to the end regardless. Him and Lynn are doing this purely for Alex and his self-esteem. Yeah, definitely. And it it worked out alright, I think. It was a great way to do a covert meeting. Yeah, And, you know, I'm assuming her phone was turned off, Leslie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am only teasing because Jamie has invited me for a coffee at some point. But Yeah, it, it worked well. Um, was it risky? Yeah, it was a bit risky. They probably should have gone a, more than one degree of connection away. You know, getting Graham to do everything is getting a bit ridiculous, but it seemed to pay off all right. I think this is this is a classic example of how of what Majid was talking about. If they'd not been playing ball, I reckon they'd have figured out whose car that was a little bit quicker. Probably, yeah. But also, it's a wonderfully gutsy move to link everything through Graham and have Graham basically be constantly going, no, 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 full do again. Well, yeah, that's true. That is true. Maybe it's like a double bluff. They won't, they won't come after him again now. Now he's been rumbled. We just use him again then. And HQ do decide to pressure Lynn and our mysterious ghost agent, which everyone hates ghost agents for some reason, even though they love Series 1, which use ghost agents. Yeah. Agent P sets up a covert camera, and Lynn gets a hot date with Blex. (laughs) And the fact that it was Blex doing it rather than anyone else shows that they really want to catch Bob and Alex now. They're getting a bit desperate if the Chief's getting involved. But not just that. I think they've matched up ages. Yeah, trying to get a bit of empathy. Yeah, that makes sense. Blex in his Chief mode, though, isn't that empathetic. Blex getting interviewed outside seems like a lovely guy. Blex in his roughy-tufty police officer, I'm a win everything mode, not so empathetic. Yeah, but it wasn't exactly the toughest interrogation, was it, really? Yeah, but she was giving as good as she got, which was nice. Oh, she was brilliant. Lynn was awesome. She gave nothing away. She was fantastic. Of uh, the two interrogations we've seen, both have been wonderfully sassy women. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we need. Uh, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was exactly the Spanish Inquisition, was it? Wouldn't expect that. Nobody expects that. And Alex went into the hunt convinced that he could win, as did pretty much everyone who saw his edit in episode one. And Lynn also says that he never had a friend and that he was heavily bullied as a child. It's so sad. It's so sad. If even Michelle is showing compassion, you know it's bad. I think, you know what, I saw some a thread last night, I don't know whether it was Twitter or Facebook, but all these people were saying, you know, I'll be his friend, oh, he'll have so many friends after this, um, you know, what are these awful bullies doing? I hope they're watching now and, and stuff like that. 
Yeah, it was good stuff. It was a brilliant. It was a really nice sequence, wasn't it? You know, they got everything right. They they set the tone right. Even the music was nice. It was just uh, yeah, it was quite touching that bit. Yeah, it's a it's a brilliantly beautifully told story, basically. Mm. And mm. it's Fantastic. it's exactly what we've always said that hunted producers and editors could tell is this sort of story where it's the evolution of the Nick. I'm not sure I have the self worth story. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the. I grew up with no friends, but I can come out of my shell and overcome yeah. my Asperger's and win, basically. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was brilliant. And there's bits even later that just even tie it up better still. And on the uh, on the subject of the the music being perfect, have you seen that the official soundtrack's coming out? I have, yeah. Um, How can there be a soundtrack? It's just one song. Oh, it's not. Composer Nick Harvey is releasing an entire album of hunted music. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. There's some really good tracks. I, I'm not sure quite why he's releasing it, because they're all on his SoundCloud. But you'd be surprised. How, I think there's there's like well over a dozen tracks on his soundtrack. Wow. And some of them are great. Yeah, you, if you start to listen, you'll, you'll hear the various scenes. Sometimes they're very subtle, but yeah, yeah there's you quite, know what? quite a lot. There probably is. I mean, Survivor's got so many, and yeah. Amazing Race has them, but unless, I don't know, I haven't really listened to them very much from Hunted. You should check them out. They're very good. Hmm. And it's not just uh, Hunted that, that Nick scores. Doesn't, didn't he do Weakest Link, amongst other things? He's done loads and loads and loads of stuff. He might That might be one of his. Could well be, but yeah, he's done a lot. I know he does uh, SAS Who's Do- Who Dares Wins. Mm-hmm. And this week we get our first proper Joe and Dan sequence. So Joe and Dan are elusive, and Michelle's favourite Dr. Donna has a Sherlock moment where she claims that they'll be missing singing, and they're in North Wales and want to head back towards Preston. Every single time Donna is on screen now, I just... I immediately laugh and think, how is Michelle going to react to this? Because, you know, when she comes on the screen, I'm like, okay, what is she going to say now? I can imagine that every time you watch it, you're just sort of sat on a chair, clenching the arms, just going, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. <laughs> well, she's just taken over the mantle from Sherlock. It's just like every time she speaks, it's like, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> you know, it's just getting ridiculous now. Oh, dear. I love how they call Ben Benji. Yeah, and, Benji. and and casting aspersions on parentage of hunters. Were they listening to series two? <laughs> oh. I think Joe and Dan are so fun. Like they obviously are of the RTV Warriors school of we're gonna tease the hunters every single oh, bit of their time we get. We're teasing them. Hundred um, percent, and I, I would love to go and have a chat with them. If I'm up in the northwest and they're they're doing a gig, I'm I'm going to go along and I'd, I'd love to buy them a beer and have a chat because I think they're brilliant. They they are exactly our sense of humour, aren't they? And the impression of Blex is amazing. Wow, you say that compared to Anthony's. No, I like Anthony's. <laughs> I, I hadn't really finished my do. sentence. Then. So, th- this week... So, th- wait, go back to Dr. Donna. Go back to Dr. Donna. <laughs> okay. And go get a brew. She said guilt. <laughs> this could take a while. She, she said that, that uh, he'd feel guilt away from his kids. Hasn't it been, what, three weeks? Just under three weeks? How do you feel guilt? What about these people who are in the army? Do they feel guilt when they're away for six months? People don't have to feel guilt. I can't. I just can't with that woman. <laughs> 
do, I do get your point. It, it, it's not really that long, is it? Three weeks? No. I think you could cope. Yeah. But by sheer coincidence, they've got a sequence of Dan getting upset about yeah, missing I his family. Yeah, I that today. <laughs> it could have been like three days before. Yeah. I suppose in this sort of situation, to defend her slightly, mainly because it'll annoy Michelle more. Here we go. Here we go. With Hunted, it's a weird situation where you are just constantly paranoid. Like Bob said, yeah. that he had two hours sleep. Yeah, that, yeah, that is true. You feel guilty it, about being away from your family. You're signing up for it. So why would you feel guilt? Yeah, but the paranoia what? and the, the sleep deprivation the are going yeah. are gonna to do funny things to your brain, which is why Dr. Donner as a psychologist was introduced. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you've kind of got a point. Yeah, it, okay, it's, you know it's, not like, it's not like being on the race, as it were, you know. At the end of every night, you get to get a good night's sleep and refresh. These these guys are kind of living on their nerves for a while. I suppose they would get a bit stressed. Oh, stressed, yeah. I'm just talking about what the, the word she is, the guilt word. I mean, fine. If you're in Ibiza, Ibiza um, for three weeks, yeah, feel guilt about not being with the children, but not actually trying to do something to better their life. Also, it's probably more that he feels guilt that his wife has been left with the children and having to acts as both parents, basically, for so long. Mm. Oh, mm. That's what mothers do anyway. I'm sorry, lads, but mothers are like <laughs> the main person and the dads wander in or out. I'm staying quiet. Sorry, Anne. Sorry, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really argue since I've just walked back in from being away from Tuesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Does Tom love your daughters more than you do? <laughs> I know that's not we hard. Love but... We love them equally. What? Not at all. <laughs> Is he as heartless as you? Oh dear. Yeah, that you know, you know where they are. Every time I have to podcast, they go off because it's early morning here, so they they go off into the other one's bed because I'm on one of their beds. So the other one, they go into another bed together, and they have to stay in there because I'm here. <laughs> So you heartlessly exile one of your daughters into the other's room <laughs> while you talk to strange men on the internet. Correct. <laughs> God, I'm going to miss on two podcasts. <laughs> but back to the action. I, I love Joe and Dan's secret way of winning this is all you have to do is stay in the north because Blex doesn't come north of Watford. How has no one come up with this before? It's genius. <laughs> They're just so much fun. And I, I I sort of understand why they've not been shown much because they seem to just be doing the psychopath tactic that Nick was doing. Yeah, there's not a lot of footage, um, but what we have got is gold. So I think they, they're using it right, aren't they? Every single thing that we've seen of them is just stupidly entertaining. So I think I think they're giving us quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I'd love? Do you know what I'd love to see is um, is the brothers of swing versus the lost wolves in a taunt off. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know what I would love to see the lost wolves having to deal with blacks generally. Oh yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Because you can imagine that Lee and Hilma would have some tricks up their sleeve with blacks. Oh yeah, it'd be superb. I would love to just get them in the same room. <laughs> That's one of my aims right now: is just get Lee and Hilma. And Blex in the same room, preferably with Sherlock as well, because Sherlock knows them. Oh, yeah, Sherlock, yeah. Basically, I just want us to be at some sort of hunted meetup for the UK and the US. Yeah, let's, let's do Hunted Con. <laughs> but, but the twist is, we just um, 
give really subtle clues as to where it is. And then if you make it there, you get to meet people. <laughs> it's happening in 25 days' time, but we don't, we're not going to tell you where it is. And if you get caught in the meantime, you can't come. Let's be honest, when Lee, Lee Hilmar and Beth come over here, they're so doing the Crystal Maze with me. Hey, yeah. I'm 100% doing the Crystal Maze live experience with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll whiz through it. Exactly. That's the fun of it. I want to see if we can go perfect on it. And Joe and Dan do cycle past the bridge where Dan and his wife Alex had their first kiss, and also where he proposed. So Dan oh. gets a little bit emotional. Oh, family backstory. The week before the finale. Woohoo. Ching. <laughs> Either of you got any interesting proposal stories? Lost and being nope. Yes, I do actually. Oh, good. I'm glad someone answered yes <laughs> um, to the question. We went away with his whole family, and then we had a night off. And we it was a pl- it was on an island, and to get around the island, you're in a golf cart. So he took me up the top of the island. There's like a viewing area, observation area. So we were up there. And he, he t- it took him a long time to get the words out. And then when he finally did, as soon as they came out, it bucketed down. It was <laughs> torrential. So we ran back to the golf cart, which didn't have sides. Some of them have sides, but it didn't have the sides down, the plastic protection. So we're trying to get down this mountain as fast as possible because we, we've got no protection at all. And as we're driving down the mountain, a wallaby jumps in front of the cart which we hit and it literally ricochets off the mountain into the blue yonder. We scream and this thing's just flying out in front of us and then we end up getting back down the bottom of the mountain and it's totally fine, but that was my proposal. (laughs) I'm really glad I don't have a proposal story because it was never going to stack up against that. How has it taken me 221 episodes to get that story out of you? There's There's never been a reason. That is an awesome story. (laughs) Funny. Yes. And the ring, he gave me a ring that was from like, um, what would it equate to? Some department store over there. I don't know. Waitrose isn't a department store. That's like a supermarket, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Some random. Yeah. H Samuel. Like a high high street shop. Yeah. I think it was like like a $40 thing because he just wanted to get something because he knew I'd have to choose it. Mm-hmm. And it was like little heart-shaped thing with like three little fake diamonds in it. It was so cute. But it was funny. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for bringing that to the podcast, Michelle. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a story that good, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so Mark and Carl do get dispatched to interrogate Alex as Joe and Dan are about a mile away. Mm. And even though I knew that they didn't get caught this early, I'm just sat there going, guys, get away from the house. Yeah, it was a bit dicey, wasn't it? And then when they started asking for the tech, I was like, oh no, what have they left? They've left something. But no, fortunately it didn't pan out to anything. And what they've left is maybe the coolest thing that anyone's left. Yeah, just not a clue. hunted. Oh, so cool. So Dan recorded a bedtime story for every night of the hunt for his children. All That's cute. All 25 days of it. Yeah, and they kind of made a big deal about that. Like, oh, he thinks he's going to the end. But what else would you do? 
you're not going to say, well, I'll probably get caught after a few days, so I'll just leave you like three stories, eh? Of course you're going to, yeah. if you're going to do any, you're going to do 25, aren't you? I didn't get that at all. More interestingly than that, if you remember when Graham was originally interrogated, the hunter did slip up and say 28 dates. Oh yeah, good point. So they must have known. So we queried at the time whether they knew that it was 25 or whether they thought it was 28. And the answer, as it seems to be, is that it was 25. Yeah, yeah. So just to to taunt them, because they have zero material on Joe and Dan whatsoever, they've spent 19 days trying to find these guys and got nothing, Blex decides to do the coolest video he has ever done for the Hunted HQ Mm -hmm. Twitter and YouTube Mm -hmm. channel and record a bedtime story. Brilliant. It's the the second best Peter Blexley bedtime story I've heard all year. (laughs) Now bear in mind, this was basically the first thing that I saw of the the hunt this time around, basically. I was keeping an eye out because I knew that they'd started two minutes away from my work. But I saw this link on Twitter at the time of the hunt and went, what on earth is this? <laughs> because all I knew about it was there was a fugitive called Dan and it looked like he got caught and someone was yeah. being taunted because of it. I didn't yeah. know that this was basically just to wind Dan up. Until... The Brothers of Swing did their own. Yep. I don't think you're aware of this, Michelle, because this hasn't made it onto TV, and I don't think it's going to. No, the... I saw it. What did I see somewhere? Blex's video was released on the Hunted Twitter. The Brothers of yep. Swing's response, where they did their own story to mock Blex and um, wind him up a little bit, was mm. released on their Facebook and mysteriously disappeared. Until about eight hours ago. Yeah, it's back now. They returned it. So, have a guess what the stinger's going to be this week, guys. Hey. It was the one video that I was desperately wanting to have, and they finally re-released it. So, thank you, Joe and Dan, for that, because you've you've made my life a lot easier. <laughs> but it's it's hilarious. I rewatched it again this morning, and it is amazing. It is. It is really good. There's a very real chance that the banner this week is just going to be the screen grab of, uh, of Dan at the end holding his wine glass up. <laughs> <laughs> or, or... Them stroking Blix's face. That was pretty good. <laughs> so Joe and Dan are staying with a, a very unfortunately named man called Gary Fiddler. <laughs> yeah. And they see the video on Facebook. And their first two responses are, what a piece of shit and no compassion. Yeah. But why does he need to have compassion? He's trying to get them. There shouldn't be compassion. He's doing his job. What the hell? Exactly. It's a game. Grow some. <laughs> Michelle, Queen of Compassion there. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. You know how you slightly insulted at your, at your intro this week? You're just living up to it now, Michelle. <laughs> Seriously, people, just do the job. Don't worry about your feelings, for God's sake. <sighs> I'm really starting to think we need Hunted Australia just so Michelle can, can show these people how it's done. <laughs> they couldn't be there's not enough cameras yeah exactly <laughs> maybe if they did it in a um, in an America style and just restricted it to like 100,000 square miles or whatever else 100,000 I don't think it's the work either anyway continue I wrote, I wrote in caps across my page it's a game 
<laughs> it is, but but they've got to say stuff like this because <laughs> they don't get airtime. Would you? Well, yeah, and just in case anybody hasn't already twigged that you're supposed to be on their side, it's like just just to remind you, we're we're the good guys, and and Blexley, he's he's the baddie here. It's, it's like mm. that. It's it's like that brilliant Mitchell and Webb sketch. Are we the baddies? <laughs> if you've seen that, no. Oh, you need to look that up. Mitchell and Webb. Are we the baddies? You have to see that sketch. It's brilliant. I think if this were a pantomime, every time Blake's came on the screen, it'd just be boom. Yeah. yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> I sort of love the idea of Blake's just being a panto villain. Oh, yeah. That would be fantastic. And we go back to Alex, who is in a field in Hastings, and he used the Masons to get a message to his mum. And thanks to the covert camera, HQ spot an unknown Renault Clio. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there could be a link. And Alex gets in a mysterious Renault Clio. What the hell? And turns out it's Sweary Lynn. Yay! The return of Sweary Lynn. Sweary Lynn's meet up with Sweary Alex. And Sweary Lynn's greeting to him is, Do me a favour, babe. Next time, go and fucking pointless. <laughs> so good. Yeah. That was the first point where I was just sat there giggling my little, my little self up yesterday, just going... Oh, why couldn't she say the code? <laughs> yeah. Come on, give us some podcast material here. Just say the code. Say two words, the code. Well, they're unhunted, so they should be talking about the chase. Duh. Terrible pun. I know, I know. Nobody's interested in the chase. All right, move on. This Ben's uh, audition next week. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've told you this, Michelle. Um, ben has an audition for the Chase Australia. I think I saw that somewhere. That would be funny. I don't think he's publicised it yet, but I did have to talk him down from constantly talking politics at it. <laughs> yeah, because that's like, what people want to see on a daytime quiz show. Yeah, I, I was sat there going, there's two people out of the eight of us who've actually been on TV and got through an audition here. Maybe listen to our advice. It's a tea time TV show. Do not, under any circumstance, start talking politics because you will make people switch off. Do mm. not be or act or look or even suggest that you are controversial in any way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. Compliance is key to television, Majid. <laughs> There's a time and a place for that stuff, and that time and that place is not during the time when your show is airing and on your Twitter. Or generally in private. You can have as many beliefs as you want, but for the love of God, don't display them on national television. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. You, you have to be the blandest of bland if you want to be on a show like that. Interesting, but not controversial. I don't know, because in my audition for The Code, which, in case anyone doesn't know the backstory, Ant sort of got invited back to do The Code because he was originally cast for the first series. They didn't have time to cast him. They emailed him and said... It's coming back, but we kind of don't want to have solo players this year. Have you got anyone you want to apply with? He said me. I had to go for an audition separately on my own. And they took me into this conference room in in the BBC in Manchester and did a mock-up of the the first round of the code. So we got to see three questions and the three answers that were behind them. I had to explain on camera what I thought was the correct answer and why. I got it wrong, because it was a rugby question, and I actually said Ant would blatantly know this way better than I would. But my first reaction when they revealed that I got it wrong was go, God damn it! And that (laughs) made them giggle. 
<laughs> and I think that helped. Like, I would yeah. obviously never, ever say that on the filming of a television show. I would never, like, say anything potentially offensive or rude or dirty mm. or anything like that. Well, that's it. Yeah, you, you you can be funny, you can be, you can be quirky. You just yeah, you just can't you just can't rock the boat because it just causes too much grief. Here's a little advice to anyone who wants to get on TV, especially quiz shows, because two of the three of us have been on quiz shows. We kind of know what we're talking about here. You have to make yourself interesting without making yourself controversial. Yeah. You have to make people want to cast you, make make them want to fight for you. Because as a general rule, when you're doing the audition. You're not going to be in front of the executive producers or whatever. You're going to be in front of casting assistants who will then mm-hmm. pitch you to the producers. Yeah. yeah it's the exactly same for it. radio competitions, though, because oh, yeah. sometimes, you know, some of the competitions I've got through to and, and eventually won, they've had to pick out of 10 people during the day. You know, you, you're ringing every hour and then they pick someone at the end of the day who wins that day. And, you know, you've got to make yourself interesting. And so many times I've been the one picked because the other people are just, hi, yeah, my name is whatever, I've got two kids, and they're not interesting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. key for radio as well. You basically just have to make people want to endorse you. Yeah, there, and then there are a few things to that. It says be interesting enough to be on the show but not controversial, but it's also stuff like do as you are told, follow instructions, be where you're supposed to be, wear what you're supposed to wear, say what you're supposed to say. If they say, we'd like you to explain your answers, explain your answers. You know, it's it's not difficult, really. All, all they want is to, to have an easy day when they shoot. They, they don't want to be worrying about the people that they've cast because you're not a professional so you are the big risk, of, of, and, and TV is so expensive. They've got to get it right. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's fairly fundamental, obvious stuff, really. And also, it's the same rule as when you go for a job interview. Don't be a dick to anyone. Yeah. Be nice, be courteous, because especially in TV, a lot of these people will not just cast that show, they will cast other shows. Like the people who do The Code also do, like, Release the Hounds, they do uh, The Wave which has just launched on W, they did Big Heads. They do quite a few of these sort of shows, and they will keep you in mind if you are not a dickhead. Because it makes their lives easier. They don't have to audition you. Yeah, they they know what they're getting. Yeah, and and there's certain shows, especially over here, who have like 100,000 people who are in the contestant pool, potentially. Mm -hmm. So you have to stand out and make them want to put you on on television. Because, like... uh, at most, a thousand of those people will get on every year. Mm. That's the thing. And I love actually being able to talk about this like I'm an expert now. After one <laughs> show. <laughs> after one show that I basically got a gimme audition for. Yeah, you're the TV expert, Michael, of course. Having said that, never auditioned for a TV show I didn't get on. Just putting it out there. Okay. Have I? It depends on your definition. Actually going for the audition. Going to a hotel in Birmingham or okay. wherever, say, yeah. and, and being in front of the casting agents. Not phone interviews. Phone interviews don't count because five gold rings was shit. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got one that I am still in the contestant pool for, so maybe one day that will pan out. Anyway, back to topics Michelle can actually talk about. Alex gets in the Clio. Lynn has the line of the episode when she tells him to go and fucking pointless. And she drops him off at the North Downs with some supplies, including sausage rolls and pasta. And then HQ begin the hunt for who is the owner of the Clio. 
And what a surprise. It, it links back to good old Graham. Like everything. <laughs> Graham is basically the mole. I, I'm starting to wonder if, you know, the, there is this big, wide net of Masons, and actually Graham is the only one that signed a consent form. So they're like, oh, we'll just say it's Graham. It's fine. <laughs> the, others are, the others don't want to be on. The others are like high court judges and big in MI5. We don't want, we don't want to get on the wrong side of them. Just, just say it was Graham. Everything was Graham. No exceptions. And the car does belong to Tracy Goff, who works for our good friend Graham Skelton. And Zoe and Lucy go and investigate. And this is where the Goffs are particularly loose-lipped. Well, particularly Trevor. He's like, he's desperate to tell them something. Just stay in the kitchen for Christ's sake. They're not even talking to you. Go away. Keep it stum. Unbelievable. For the love of God, stop talking. It's when he starts going, oh, there was that other thing, wasn't there? No, there was no other thing. Shut up. Go away. It's terrible. So Tracy reveals that basically she does not know Lynn and Graham turned up on her doorstep with Lynn to say, we need your car now. It's good, yeah. Friend of a friend. Kindness of strangers and all that. It's always good. And then Trevor, the husband, hints at a SIM card existing, at which point basically the entirety of Twitter went, what a div. (laughs) It's just unbelievable what are you doing you moron what what is wrong with him seriously he's just helpful no. helpful to the wrong people but <laughs> you helpful don't regardless. have to say anything <laughs> you're not, not... going to go to jail if you keep it to yourself and then then she tells them what the hell all the hunters had to say to her so would you like to tell me about that oh okay then like seriously what is wrong with both of them? Oh, my God. I was watching this entire episode last night just going, Michelle is going to have a proper rant. I can feel it. <laughs> it deserves it. Trevor's just an idiot. <laughs> After 50-odd podcasts with Michelle, I know what's going to set her off. <laughs> and I'm not wrong. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're not going to jail if they don't say anything. I mean, she gave him the evil eye, and then she just said it anyway. Yeah, she gave him proper stink face. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And Bob hurts everywhere, and being on his own is much harder than being in a pair. Shot gasp horror, Bob. Yeah, yeah, he's he's taken on way more than he can cope at this stage, hasn't he? He's bitten off more than he can chew. Even even his cereal bars. (laughs) (laughs) He's not had a shower in four days. He's been living on cereal bars. It's basically his life is not worth living. Yeah, but he said but... he won't. He won't be doing this again ever. Um, yet, yeah, yes, Bob, you won't be doing this again ever. This is a one-time thing. Yeah, make the most of it. Maybe till hunted all stars. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> what what a contrast between idiot Trevor and then John. John's awesome. I love John. He's he's watched this show, hasn't he? He's like, yeah, go on, I'll get you to Newcastle, no problem, mate. He's ace. John did divulge a little too much towards the end. Yeah, a little bit, yes. but, but at least he's up for it. At least he's he's trying, he's helpful, he's great. So Bob walks into a CCTV camera and starts getting really paranoid because he's only slept for about two hours in the past week. Yeah, he's totally losing it at this stage, isn't he? Luckily for him, a friendly Amazon driver called John pulls up and offers him a lift with the parcels. Which was comedy gold, wasn't it? <laughs> what just happened? Parcel, what did he scenes of parcels just hitting Bob in the head. 
Amazon isn't really a thing in Australia still. It's not as widely spread as over here, but they have Amazon Prime, which you pay 79 quid a year or whatever it is, and you get free one-day delivery. Most of that is done by Amazon Logistics, which is their own couriers, and he was an Amazon Logistics driver. So they have these massive, like, hold-alls full of the parcels, and one of them just sort of hit Bob in the face as he was was doing a piece to camera. It was quite delicious, actually. He also um, sat on something that hurt him as well. Well, those vans are very basic outside of the parcels in them, so he was probably just sat on the wooden floor of a transit van. Yeah. It would not have been comfortable. It was a great scene. And he does get an offer of a lift to Newcastle on day 22. And we don't know what day this was, but it would have been about 1920. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Which, which must make it really difficult, because on one hand, you want to stay on the run. Obviously, you want to get to day 25. But on the other hand, if you accept a lift to Newcastle on day 22 to find out that the extraction point's Dover, how annoyed would you be? Like, no, I'm going to go all the way back. True, but also you can probably find a kind local by that point. Yeah, maybe. If you only have to ask for one favour from someone, especially if they're going in the right direction anyway, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Mm. So, so what do you think? Should he have... Um arranged it there and then I'm going to Newcastle with you so he doesn't have to contact him again I think probably yeah definitely I think so I think think while you've got someone face to face which is untraceable you should agree as much as you possibly can and just go for it take an opportunity because that's totally random isn't it you do then have to try and find a way to get back to a particular meeting point which is potentially interceptable but I would have arranged the lift personally I'd have taken him straight up on that offer and said, okay, what time, where, I'll see you there. Especially when you have a burner phone that can only really be used once. You don't use it on a lift, you use it on day 24 to get you towards the extraction point. Well, you do. If you've had more than two hours sleep, you're not completely knackered and paranoid. And a potential burner phone, thanks to Loose Lip Tracy, is identified, and as it happens, it looks like it's the correct one. Mm Mm-hmm. And Bob uses his burner to call John. Any country, any county, not today. He may be preempted a little bit too soon. Starting to look a little bit worrying. And HQ do identify John, and they give him a call, and he tells them that Bob and Alex have split. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, he tells them that he's seen one person. He, unless there was a conversation about it, he wouldn't know that Alex even exists, would he? Well, yeah, but HQ find out the information that Bob and Alex are not travelling together. Yeah. Which is interesting for them. Yeah, it is. It's a bit of a curveball. Um, and I don't think they... I think they were genuinely surprised. I think Dr. Donna was very surprised. Yeah, because basically Bob and Lynn are Alex's support system. So the fact that he's grown enough to say, you know what, Dad, I'm going to try going it alone, is certainly interesting. Um, Question. I don't know why... I don't know this, but how do the hunters know Bob's burner phone? So Tracy had the number stored in her phone. Yeah, presumably uh, on, under gosh. a under a suspicious name, I would imagine it would be like not not Bob's burner phone <laughs> on his glove, <laughs> and then Trevor will walk in and go, "It is, it is Bob's burner phone. That's what it is." <laughs> you know what's funny? Going back to that, when they said to her um, something like, "Oh, you wouldn't have anything on here, would you?" And she said, well, I don't think so. I know, it's such a giveaway, isn't it? No, anyway, I mean, she's the one who hasn't worked for Scotland Yard. 
she wouldn't know what she's doing on there. But it's one of those phrases that people use when they're lying, isn't it? Is there anything, yeah. is, is there anything on there? Nothing to my knowledge. That's oh. not a natural answer. The natural answer is no. <laughs> Why? Have a look. Go for it. Or alternatively, <laughs> just you might very well think that I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah, yeah we need more people like that. Given the uh, the Francis Urquhart treatment. <laughs> just, I have nothing to say. I have no comment to make. I plead the fifth. And Michelle's favourite Dr. Donner predicts that Bob will be lost without Alex. It's just the way oh. she said it. Yeah, mm. sweet. Mm. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> She's nice, isn't she? <laughs> I genuinely think if we'd have predicted before this, the series began which Hunter Michelle would end up hating, I wouldn't have put money on Dr. Donna. No, it wouldn't have been top of my list. <laughs> this is she's, a proper irrational nice. hatred, and I, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, I don't think we'd get on in real life. <laughs> oh, I, I want to make it happen. I want to make it happen so badly. <laughs> There'd be a lot of arguments. The awkwardness is just delicious. <laughs> and then we get some great stuff from Bob there, don't we, at this stage. You know, he's learned more about Alex in two weeks than ever before. It's a privilege to know him. And then we get this line around, I feel like I've already cross- crossed the winning line, but it would be nice to do it for real. And it's like, oh, what does that mean? Does that mean he is going to cross the winning line? Or does it mean it doesn't matter that he doesn't? It's, oh, that's good editing. Well done. And we move back to his son. So Alex's politeness gets him a spot to stay after a failed attempt earlier in the episode. And he says, who is Alex Ailing and what have I done with him? This scene is just, this is the point when I'm just going oh, this is just a lesson in how to make an episode. This is so good. We've seen yeah. this exact situation play out earlier and him be frustrated because he didn't learn from his mistakes and get it right. And then this time it all works out and it's just glorious. It's, it's borderline saccharine, gorgeous, but it's just brilliant. I, I love it. This is the point where the entirety of the UK was just gleefully happy when Alex did his happy dance. Yeah, we we just you know like it like it hasn't been hammered home hard enough. We are rooting for Alex. It is official. Very very rooting for Alex. Yeah, yeah. And it's been an eye opening experience for him after he grew up having bullies push him down hills along with his bike and all sorts of horrible things. Yeah, it's been eye opening for him that he can stand on his own two feet and work at something and win Mm. and let's be honest people are going to be crying when he wins next week yeah i think they might it's going to be lovely i think so do i and hq send teams to preston in the final bit of the episode to preempt dan's rage over the fake bedtime story and joe and dan are eight miles away in the town of evis Mm. this is an odd sequence (laughs) (laughs) yes i love it but i'm i'm so conflicted about this this is brilliant entertainment it's fantastic entertainment but it's also so risky it's why why are you doing this i think out of everything we've talked about in hunted maybe since the leon hillmar flight gamble this is going to be the thing we talk about most because why on earth do you react in that way? 
taking emotion out of it, like, regardless of the fact we love Joe and Dan, why are you being so stupidly risky? I know you want airtime, and I know you know that this will make the air, because it is a cracking way to wind up Lex if it works for you. But it is so risky. And and that's why, uh, that's why I'm so conflicted, because uh, are we ready to discuss the theory of the early captures? Have we got to that point, or do you want to save it? <laughs> do you want to prolong it even more? No, we can, we can discuss it now. Right, so the whole series has been leading up to whenever there's a cliffhanger, they get caught at the beginning of the next episode, yes? We all agree yes. on that. So definitely, they are not getting caught. Not a chance. There is no way they get caught because yeah. that's exactly what we've been led to believe, right? And 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 it's now got to the point where the whole series is led to this point. This is the climax of the show. So, given that they don't get caught, what the hell have they done? How have they done this? I mean, this is this is pilot Tim to the next level, isn't it? There was a hint, yeah, and that is that they actually said we're going to live stream a gig, but have it be recorded. And then live streamed. How do you do that? Because yeah, I live stream. How do you do that? I live stream. One hundred percent. It is possible on Facebook with enough technical know-how to play out a recorded video as if it was live. Because in the UK there is a DJ now known as Stephanie Hurst. She came out as transgender, formerly known as Simon, who does a kitchen bangers, where she does a a set of dance music basically every every week on a Saturday evening. She had vocal surgery last week, so couldn't do it live. So played out an old one and had it play as live. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can do it. You, you, can, you can do it with a media encoder through a laptop. But um, It is entirely yeah. possible oh. for this to happen. But also... So you can't do it off your phone. You have to actually no. do it on a laptop. No, this, this is actually properly on a laptop. But yeah. also, right. the way that they do it with the phone calls, because they had to know that HQ weren't just going to rush to the location. They were going to ring ahead and see if they could hear them in the background. They'll have just been playing that through speakers. Yeah, they're just playing it out. In a pub like that, there will be speakers, and there will be enough speakers that they could turn loud enough to make it sound like Joe and Dan were still in the building. They will have been miles away by that point. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. It, it was just very well set up. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I hope that's what it is. It's, well, it is what it is, isn't it? There's, there's absolutely zero chance that that's going to get them caught. It doesn't mean they will make it to the end. I think it makes it very likely to make it to the end, but they're not getting caught for this. It's a great cliffhanger to end the penultimate episode on where we go, even though they've told us that this is quote-unquote live, are they going to get caught? And the answer is, of course they're not. Duh. As long as, as, long as we're right. Yeah, cleverly, they, we didn't actually see any scenes of Joe and Dan in the next time preview, but then they're not getting caught. I'll be very surprised. No, I, I think that is what they've done. Um, and they've filmed it very well because they've kind of implied that that there's someone holding a phone shooting this, but of course it, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the person that's streaming it, does it at all? No, exactly. They could have just been taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And also, I seem to remember that when they did do the live stream, I didn't actually watch all the way to the end of the live stream, so I don't 100% know what the ending of the clip is. But I seem to remember it was the middle of the afternoon. It was not the evening. Okay. Like, they obviously recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is make, it's a brilliant move. It's really, really good. So HQ do spot the link surprisingly on their Facebook page and they check in at the plough just going, come on guys, you can catch us, you know you want to. And there's some wonderful dedications to Blex. Shout out to my Blex. 
Oh, Peter Blacksley, you've got a lovely face. Fantastic. I was watching it last night just going, I wonder what at what point they're actually going to do a song and change the lyrics for Blex, and immediately they, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did not let us down. You just knew it was coming. But Blex isn't a fan of their singing. As I said to Anthony earlier, I think he was trying not to smile. He was basically oh, biting the inside of his lip. That he didn't smile. It must have been so hard to stay in character. <laughs> I think from our experience of Blex, we know that he he finds it quite heartwarming when people pay attention to him, I think. Yeah, he's, he seems like a genuine nice guy. And, you know, he's got a character to play, of course he has. Um, so it must have been really tough. He must have wanted to just crack up and go, oh, these guys are nuts. This is brilliant. It is definitely the most ridiculous thing anyone's done on UK Hunted since Nick's decoy. 100%. Yeah. It's great. And the worst thing about this is the fact that I've known for weeks that this existed. <laughs> I was just waiting for it to get mentioned because I've been sat on it for so long. <laughs> so did you get a recording of it then? I didn't because it was live streamed and it's the only thing that's been deleted off Facebook. Okay. But otherwise I would have. I have got a recording of basically everything else that, that was mentioned. <laughs> so the episode ends as the hunters pull up to the plough. And then we get the next time on. Yes, very interesting. And the next time on, we are going to be discussing. Mmm. <laughs> so the final four race to win the cash. Joe and Dan run. There's boats, drones, choppers, and dogs. And why on earth is Bob crying? What is going on there? Interesting. And oh. there's someone pulling him away. I think it's Alex. Well, I've only seen that next time trailer once. But I recognise something in that trailer. Oh, God, what? An arm, a bit of the arm. It wasn't Bob's cry. Uh... No, no, it's someone beside him. That's what I'm saying. It's not his cry. Yeah, Bob wasn't crying. And I know exactly who that is who was crying. And it's not Alex. That is Alex Ailing. 100%. It's Alex's cry. There's not a chance in hell it's anyone else. And they're at the the extraction point. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm 100% convinced that Bob and Alex basically run down the dock together like an Emily and mm. Lauren situation. Yeah, but yeah. That is, that is them meeting in the undergrowth around the corner just thinking, shit, we've actually managed to do it, and both crying. Yeah, yeah that's so sweet. But that was 100% not Bob's cry, that was Alex's. Yeah. And it even it sounded like Alex's voice, that's the thing. So unless they've done some creative Franken-editing and tricked us here. That is Alex's cry, and they're going to meet up and both win. But will Joe and Dan make it? That's the question. They kind of mm, got definitely. to, haven't they? How how can you not show them in the next time if they don't? If if anything else happens, surely if they're going to get caught, you're going to show something. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I was thinking about this last night because we've always gone on the theory that hunted editors love to have three concurrent stories. Mm-hmm. They never really show more than either three pairs of people or three people or three stories more than three stories going on at the same time maybe with the exception of the premieres where they do like to show at least a little bit of everyone so we can get a flavor of them Mm -hmm. but they never like to show more than three and at the moment we have exactly three Mm. so we wouldn't really be able to see Joe and Dan get caught five minutes into the next episode because there would only be two stories and it wouldn't necessarily be interesting television. No. Whereas with three is the magic number of stories to have on the go at once and we've only actually ever had one episode with 
less than three stories. And that was the finale last time where the girls got caught. Mm-hmm. And then we just had two mm-hmm. stories for the last sort of half of the episode. They always love a three-story compilation, basically, in each episode. Yeah, I mean, even go, without going that deep, if, if they catch Joe and Dan, there's going to be some hint of it in the next time. There has to be. There absolutely has to be. When, when have they never not trailed a, a capture? All we saw of Joe and Dan, basically, was running to the car. Yeah. It's just nothing. And that is super misleading because it's blatantly just them running to the car after recording. Yeah, yeah, probably. And the hunters will just walk into an empty pub with someone probably behind the bar, um, drying glasses and a laptop there with playing it through the speakers. Oh, yeah. And and probably as they walk in, the performance will end and Joe and Dan will say something. Yeah, maybe there'll be a recorded video like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I hope so. I hope there's a taunty video. But for the first time all series, I actually don't know for certain. No. I, knew that, I knew that this was the final four. Mm-hmm. But And I knew of Joe and Dan during the video, and I knew of the bedtime stories, and I knew of Blex's video halfway through saying that less than half of you are still left on the run, which was a lie, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting it out there, that was a lie. Other than that, I actually don't know anything now. No, I, I don't think we do for sure but i i would say the the most likely outcome is all four of these people make it i think i think the next most likely is that bob's the only one that doesn't yeah i think they're all going to be getting 25 grand each Mm -hmm. because we've not seen any indication of any of them really losing and maybe bob would lose to to be able to let alex win but joe and dan haven't been shown having any indication of these guys are so cocky it's going to come back and bite them in the arse. No, no. Alex certainly hasn't. Regardless of how Alex's story ends, people will be crying next week, I suspect. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's going to make it a very unusual episode if we just go the whole length of just seeing them all make it. Yeah, but they can probably get five or ten minutes material just out of the Joe and Dan taunt, especially if they've left something for the Hunters. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then we've obviously got the final chase and the uh, extraction point. So what I suspect is going to happen is the first bit before the ad break will just be Joe and Dan taunting, getting away with it, mm-hmm. and Blex getting really pissed off that they've fallen for the trick, and maybe having a Mason uh, recruitment form there just to make it a little bit more meta. <laughs> and then after the first ad break, we will see that the fugitives have been given the information for their extraction point. Looks like it's going to be a boat of some description, which means Toddington will be very happy with himself. <laughs> Question is where? Because... They can't really do it in the same area of the world. They did it very close to London last time. Mm-hmm. What kind of boat was it? I, I mean, it looked like a it fishing trawler of some description. It, it, it's the yeah. big, it's the closest. it was like a fishing trawler yacht thing. It was yeah, the closest it was comparison I can go. Wait a minute. You can't have a fishing trawler yacht <laughs> thing. <laughs> they don't you know, go together. You know what I mean? It was... It was basically... No, I don't actually. I'm seeing some hideous creation in my mind. <laughs> We'll watch the frigging preview. <laughs> we need um, yeah. we need our top investigator, Stephen, to tell us exactly what type of sea vessel that is, please. Shockingly, <laughs> I'm not a boat guy. <laughs> but it, it was the sort of shape that you see fishing trawlers and yachts both have in common. <laughs> and don't say a boat shape. Yeah, I, I think that might... If, if it is the... If that's not a red herring, you're talking of fishing, um, the, the kind of vessel that it is might be significant and it might tell us where in the world you would see one yeah 
quite useful. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be in the south of England. No, I think it's going to be probably the north of England somewhere. Yeah, um, and I suspect, given that um, Bob and Alex are both in the southeast and Joe and Dan are both in the northwest, I would say the northeast would be a good place to have the extraction point. If it is a fishing vessel, then yeah. Hull, Hull or Grimsby or somewhere along that coast or maybe somewhere even so- further north. Yeah, somewhere yeah. sort of Yorkshire, Lincolnshire. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I think it'll be somewhere in the northeast or even further north than that. Yeah. Imagine if you're Bob and you turn down a, a lift to Newcastle. And it turns out you've got to get to Newcastle. <laughs> How for the final time this series, do you want the press release for next week? There's surely no spoilers in it. Singing Milkmen, Dan and Joe live stream their gig to HQ, unaware of how close the hunters are. Alex is spotted on CCTV throwing away some key info. Season 3, episode 6 of 6. What is the key info that Alex is throwing away? Could it be instructions for the extraction? It could be. And he leaves it lying around somewhere and gives them a, give, and tells them where the extraction point is inadvertently. Oh. He's seen on CCTV binning the extraction instructions. Oh. And they go and find out and that's how they get close. <sighs> because obviously they will have to get close because we can't have a finale without a Damn it, we nearly got them. And the most important question of all, what colour t-shirt will Sherlock be wearing when he inevitably chases them? <laughs> white. <laughs> white. Always white. We had the black one for celebrity. Yeah, it'll be white. It'll be oh, full yeah. on, personal white. Perfect. Do you reckon when Sherlock opens his wardrobe, he just has a a, um, <laughs> a, a shelf of white t-shirts and a shelf of jeans? Sure. It says, today, babies, today. Yep. So do you think we? Do you, you don't think we're going to have another Sherlock run in the final episode, do you? I want it so badly to just become this recurring joke. Now mm. I think we've perpetuated this myth enough that it needs to be a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know you guys are watching thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe we might get to see him in a helicopter. I just love the idea that every single time he knowingly does this, just to amuse us, basically. <laughs> Mm, I can't believe it's going to be over next week. I know, it's so sad. And instead we got to deal with Amazing Race. It's <laughs> <laughs> mm. okay. And then we probably have a few weeks off and go straight into Belgian Mall. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm so excited. Now I'm going to have to watch another mall that I can't understand because I have to read writing all the time. You get and used it to does it. Make, yeah, but it, make, it does make it hard work though, doesn't it? It does. If you can't do anything else. It makes me appreciate how much I don't actually watch TV. I just listen to it. It does, but also, with a show like The Mole, I sit there and I'm just engrossed anyway. Well, that's true. It is visually amazing, so it's probably good that you're watching. When it's so visually stunning, it's hard not to like keep your eyes on the screen, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. And uh, we did officially announce that it's hopefully coming. As soon as uh, as soon as it airs, but you know, dependent on when it actually airs and when it gets uploaded. Yeah, there's always the little asterisk there going. Actually, guys, we're hoping to do it, but we'll see. Yeah. So, is there anything else to to say before the finale? I can't eulogise enough about what a great episode this was. I know we've said it mm. a million times, but it really was fantastic. If if they are thinking about it, this is the episode to send to the BAFTA judges because this was <laughs> just 
awesome. I'm never 100% if the editors are actually listening to us, but for the love of God, if you are, please make yourselves known, even if it's only a DM on Twitter. I'm about to get yeah. out of Twitter. Just yeah, let us know that you're watching, because we adore your work. Yeah, and, and, and as anyone else that's involved with the show will tell you, we don't try digging for spoilers or anything like that. We're just happy to talk about the show and, and tell you how great it is and have a chat. So, yeah, it would be lovely if someone, whoever um, looks after editing for Hunted, wanted to talk to us. That would be amazing. And you know full well that if you do tweet either me or RCV Warriors generally, I will geek out on DM with you as long as you want to. (laughs) I am not averse to this. I have done this with a few people this series already who are involved in the show, where I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe you're tweeting me. (laughs) (laughs) You are so easily starstruck. It's not starstruck. It's the fact that Consistently Hunted has been the best show that I watch and I podcast about. So it's genuinely heartwarming that people involved in the show actually care about what we think for me. Because Hunted has always been a bit of a passion project for me with with the podcast. It was the reason that Ant became a part of the podcast. And I'm so happy that it's become such a success for us and also that we've made a lot of good friends of the podcast out of it. Yes. There is something special. There's definitely something special about this show. Um, the people that watch it, the people that are involved in it are just lovely. Yeah, and it, I've said this to Kevin O'Leary himself. It's an absolute privilege for us to have the show to talk about and to talk about the show on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to describe it. And I'm quite sad that it's ending next week. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be brilliant. But on the plus side, I will get my Fridays back and my Saturdays when I'm not editing all day. Oh, really? I'll get to sleep (laughs) in one day of the week. My God. Michelle, from next weekend, so will I, because I'm technically working on Saturday. This has been really tough. Never (laughs) sleeping in, ever. It's like, you are never sleeping in ever again. Just podcast every weekend morning. On the plus side, Michelle, you've got like two more weeks after this. Yes, I know. After Hunted finishes, you have two more weeks of of No Weekend Lions, and then you have, you never have to speak to us again if you don't want to. (laughs) It's very intense with all the two-hour episodes. Oh, you're telling me. God. You have to podcast about it. I have to podcast and edit it. Yeah, I know. Don't talk so much, Michael. You make it hard for yourself. (laughs) But I enjoy talking. It's a curse. I know. (laughs) I know. <laughs> what a note to end on. Uh, thank you for listening to this Hunted Podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap the finale, World's Tiniest Violin. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Bulls Boy for Anthony, and Bear3333333 for Michelle. See you next week. And with that, your time on the run is over. Bye. Bye. Are you sitting comfortably? Yay! I'm very doubt you are. Now let me begin. Once upon a time, there was a hunter named Peter, who thought he was rather clever. He hunted high, show me high, and he hunted low, show me low, but he couldn't find those charming chaps anywhere. It turns out Peter wasn't the cleverest anyway. See, I can do silly videos as well.